Hey, this is Adam Spiegelman. Today I'm talking to Michael Spiegelman, my brother from the same mother, and we're going to proudly resent Santa Claus the movie. Go check us out live show at the NYC Podfest, January 13th in New York. It's going to be great. A lot of weird stuff. I'm locking in people right now. I'm trying to make it a big, exciting show and not just a live taping. It'll be half proudly resents and half a dream tweet. Come down, I'd love to meet you. Go to nycpodfest.com slash schedule or just nycpodfest.com or go to proudlyresents.com. You are listening to Proudly Resents. Oh, reason. I, I can't even I hear you. Hi, this is Sammy Wazell, uh, Proudly Resents. The Cult Movie Podcast. The Adam's Biggest Men Show. All you proudly resents listeners out there, just remember, you can't piss on hospitality. I want it. It's proudly resents, I'm Adam Spiegelman. I'm here with my brother, Michael Spiegelman. Hi, good. To, how are you? Adam, thanks for letting me be on your show. Appreciate it. Son of a bitch. <laughs> uh, we are literally in his daughter's bedroom because it's the best place for sound, I guess. This is the, the best room in our apartment. It has a great view. Uh, it's quiet. Kids, kids should know she's very lucky to have this room. She was just bitching the other night at the OTB. She was at the OTB bitching about her room, and uh, I had to go there and grab her by her ear and take her out of the OTB. Speaking of kids, we're going to probably resent Santa Claus the movie from 1985. 85. It was played last night or the night uh, before recording this at Bad Movie Night here in San Francisco in the Dark Room Theater. Every, every Sunday night for the last seven or eight years, Cheryl Lynn and Jim and everyone at the Dark Room has been heckling bad movies. And uh, this was the second time I've done Santa Claus the movie. So I'm well-versed in Santa Claus the movie. When you say you done, what do you mean? Well, it's uh, three hosts, co-hosts. It's very similar to Mystery Science Theater with microphones. We have a beautiful theater, nice little black box theater, and they put down a screen. They show a movie with subtitles, and on the mic, we heckle the movie, and we encourage the audience to do the same. And every December are Christmas movies, and I've been doing Bad Movie Night for about seven years with these guys, and last night was the second time I've done Santa Claus the movie. Well, first of all, Santa Claus the movie is directed by... You can pronounce his name, Adam. It's your show. Santa Claus the movie is directed by the guy who directed Supergirl. Yeah, uh, his name, I'll just say it's Janice Wark. Uh, I looked at his, he's also done Somewhere in Time, Someplace in Time. With uh, Christopher Reeves where he wills himself to go back into time. Yeah, yeah, great movie. And he's also done uh, Jaws 2. And in fact, one of the character actors from Jaws 2 appears in Santa Claus the movie. What does he play in Santa Claus the movie? He was the accountant. He was who John- got eaten by a shark. That was a weird. That, <laughs> oh, that I don't know. I never, I never saw Jaws two. Believe it or not. No, no. In this film, in Santa Claus. So they rebooted Santa Claus, and they, figured, they originally they wanted Mike, my brother. I like to say how all podcasts, meaning mine, didn't, they don't do any research, but they originally wanted John Carpenter. To direct that movie? Yeah. They liked what he did with Halloween? <laughs> well, he's, he's, he became the holiday guy. Actually, you know, halfway in the middle of Santa Claus the movie, I was very much reminded of Hollywood, uh, Hollywood, Hollywood? Halloween 3, uh, Season of the Witch, which was a story about a toy maker who had advertisements uh, selling these masks. And when the kids put the mask on, they go crazy and kill people. And halfway in the middle of Santa Claus, the movie, John Lithgow, I'm jumping ahead. He's a toy maker, and he's doing commercials. And I, I immediately thought of Halloween 3. So I could see why they wanted him. Because of a movie that he didn't make in the future? 
They were like, you know what? In in ten years, you're not going to make this film. Wasn't Halloween three before eighty five? God, I don't, I don't even know. Why don't you look at my NDB, son of a bitch? Clickety, clackety, clackety, click. My brother, everybody, scroll, scroll, every scroll. podcast, uh, people are always looking at IMDb. What are you, not? What are you going to anticipate everything? Why didn't you know uh, Season of the Witch? Smartass. This movie was supposed it's to have... 83, Season of the Witch. Let, let me go verify that. <laughs> don't make it up. Uh, so this film was supposed to be... Direct, they wanted it to be directed by John Carpenter, and he wanted Brian Dennehy to play Santa Claus, but they thought Dennehy... Was too like sad. I swear to God, you're you're clicking. I'm sorry. You can't. Eighty two, season of the witch. All right, listen. I won't click anymore. <laughs> it's just yeah, the microphone picks up everything. Try not to touch the table. So, um, season of the witch was not this film. No, I'm surprised to hear John. I, you know, honestly, it seems like one of those weird international productions where as long as they get it on film and they could dub it. It's out there. It doesn't really matter as long as you get a couple internationally known stars. But we have Dudley Moore as playing like Dudley Moore, Patch the Elf, who was supposed to have another name, but he wanted to name it Patch after his son, whose nickname is Patrick, and nickname is Patch. Top of that. Uh, It's interesting because halfway in the middle of the movie, they kind of play on his name because he has when he becomes the toy master, he has he has a little sign that says Patch's toys. And when he, def- I'm jumping ahead, but he leaves Santa Claus to work with this evil toy manufacturer and he takes the dispatch office and he crosses out the letters D-I-S. So it says Patch's office. So there was, uh, they played with it. They made they it work. With it. They made it work. The movie started, it's an origin story. It's a reboot, kind of like uh, Spider-Man, the amazing Spider-Man, where they are like, this is the origin story of, of Santa Claus. Can I mention something that Sharon Lynn no. from uh, Bad Movie Night brought up? It's her point. This is from the producers of Superman, the motion picture. And they used actual... Uh, she was saying they used footage from Superman, like all the aerial shots of the city. But it's very similar to Superman, like you're saying. I, I could see that. The aerial shots could be... Yeah, yeah, yeah that yeah, makes total be. sense. But it is like Superman, because it starts off with Marlon Brando on the home planet, telling yeah. him you're going to be Superman, and then it cuts to, you see him doing all this stuff, and it cuts to present day, where he's needed or not needed. Sherilyn also said, <laughs> no, but in these movies with a hero, you're supposed to deny taking the hero thing three times, right? Twice, and the third time accepted. But they're like, you are Santa Claus. All right, <laughs> I'll take it. It starts off, I guess, 16th century, um, in some kind of Dutch world. And where everyone lives in a stable, and they're all precocious-looking porcelain kids. I have to say, right off the bat, this is one of the worst-looking movies I've ever watched. It's extremely grainy. I'm sure it was extremely grainy back in 85. If you watch Somewhere in Time, it has this weird, bleached-out, grainy direction. The guy just puts the camera somewhere and then gets the whole space in the shot, whether it's necessary or not. And so everything's just is like washed out kind of feel you have the 16th century with these little precocious kids and it looks terrible you can't tell the kid from the wood house you know like it just blends in it's so dark and someone actually started singing every sperm is sacred but it looks like that scene there's so many people in this little hut and they're all wearing the clothes that match the walls, right? Is that what you're trying to get at? Yeah, so yeah, you, don't, yeah. you see, like, eyes kind you of You see these precocious out. little eyes pop out of the... Yeah, so the origin is that he's actually uncle to these children. He's Uncle Claus. And him and his wife, Ilya? Ala? Anya. Anya. So I kept saying Anya offer. That's Anya's the offer I've had all day. Anya Claus. And they like to give presents to kids. And all these, you know, toys, this movie defines toys as something made out of wood. Crap. 
16th century crap. Even in the 20th century, they're still making this wood stuff. Even when this movie came out in 1985, at the very least, you had the Coleco, Coleco. the Coleco handheld football thing with the little lines. To me, like, that's now that would be the equivalent to giving. If you gave a kid that, if you gave your daughter that Coleco thing now, she'd yeah. look at you like you gave her a wooden horse. Well, it's funny because one of the items they had was this big round wheel which had four different colors. And I'm like, that's the worst Simon game I've ever seen. <laughs> <laughs> prehistoric Simon. Yeah, total prehistoric. So, the origin is that one of the things he likes to give kids are these wooden statue. Uh, I guess they're called Verhoeven. I don't know why they keep saying that. I, I was I, that lost me. They kept yelling that. It's yeah, Verhoeven, Verhoeven, which are elves. Is that what it is? Yeah, they're they're. I don't know if it's a Dutch name or this is some other Father Christmas crap, but it's supposed to be elves, and he's never seen elves, but he likes to make them. And the elves are watching Santa, mm-hmm. and they said uh, or Claus. And they want him. It's destiny. You're right. There's no tension. Go ahead. Oh, no, no. I was just saying, he gives these weird kids um, the eyeballs and the, and the whole, every sperm is sacred. He gives them all toys. <laughs> and of course, they're happy with the crap he gave them. A, it's the 16th century. Yeah, right. B, there's a thousand of them. If you got your own anything, you would love it at this point. <laughs> Thanks for anything. It's a toothbrush. Mine. <laughs> yeah. It's an old hair. Oh, wow. An old hair. And so then they only have two reindeer who can fly. And they oh go by foot, right, through the sleigh, him and Anya Claus. And i got to tell you, definitely not Honor. Uh, now, was that a indoor set, you think? Or was they actually went to a field and shot that? I got to feel like it's an indoor set. Yeah. Because it was so many trees, and the background was just, like, blue. It's kind of like if you've ever gone to, like, the Aladdin Casino in, um, <laughs> or in, in the uh, Venetian you know, in Vegas, uh-huh. and they have the ceiling, and they paint it like you're outdoors, and it's lit like you're outdoors, but you're really in this mall. That's what it felt like in there. Yeah, it was like lit, backlit, or whatever. But it was it was really hard living because the snow was beating down the reindeer who decided to go see the great light, and they were lying down. These these reindeer oh, look like yeah. puppets. They look terrible. They look terrible. They could have at least got some deer and put some. They did, you know, I actually looked at IMDb, and their ludicrous trivia was that they actually had deer and they had to grow the antlers, but they can only use the deer in certain scene. You could tell that they didn't yeah, use it all the time. Because you didn't see a hand sticking out of the teeth, you know. They had a, a light, which I guess is... Christ? Yeah, but they never talk about Christ. That Ever. Is, it's the nativity star from the sky, and then the light comes from the star, but instead of hitting a, man, a manger, it's like Santa's... Elf. It's like the side story. In yeah. one story, there's frankincense and myrrh, and the other side of town is Santa Claus on a sleigh. It reminded me of the movie The Apple when God came down from the mm-hmm. sky and it looked like an elevator. It's kind of, <laughs> it's, you know, it sort of reminded me of that. I think The Apple's a better religious film. Oh, I would be proud to, to be religious and watch The Apple than Santa Claus the movie. <laughs> no, but he passes out and then these elves, just like in The Wizard of Oz, whatever, they come and they gather him up or like Gulliver's Travels and they bring him. Snow White? Like Snow White, any of the ones that yeah. are the, or the correct one, if you really want to go. <laughs> All right, the Huntsman. Snow White and the Huntsman. Just like Snow White and the Huntsman. Less, oh, sexual tension is in this movie, and it's creepy, and we'll get to it. So the elves bring Santa and his wife to their workshop, and they make him the boss, yeah. basically. They're like, we need a boss. But it's because it's fate. It's destiny. It's There is absolutely no what, test. It has nothing to do with him being the biggest white man in the room? I think it's because he gives presents to his relatives his kids and that's what the elves like so he's stunned to see these elves that he's he's always heard of can we say it's like remington steel 
If, the elves are doing all the work and they need a good figurehead. It's like Remington Steel if it was taking place in the bathhouse because all these guys, <laughs> they, I mean, they make Yakov Smirnoff, like you get horny for Yakov Smirnoff because it's all these weird bearded guys with just smiles. They just love to smile. They're in this cabin together and they all sleep in separate in beds in one room. And This is a bad time to let you know that I have a Yakov Smirnoff fetish. <laughs> During that film, I was dying. I, I was like, I had to tell you. <laughs> I couldn't. So the, the way we know it's his fate is that the head older elf played by Burgess Meredith... He's listed as ancient elf in the credits. Well, they tried to get other people whose names I can't... Other, like, famous, famous people, like Johnny Carson and John Wayne. Really? And they couldn't get anybody, and they finally got uh, Burgess Meredith, who's friends with Dudley Moore. Well, Burgess Meredith does not even say a word. Does he even say a word? It's he does. No, there's a whole speech. You don't know what the hell he's saying. Yeah, it's really strange because it, it, it's a little Lord of the Ring-ish because he is not only an ancient elf, he has an ancient elf white flowing beard. And this beard is so long that it has to be parted in the middle, Whisker War style, and held by two elves, one on each of the side of him. And he kind of, when Santa Claus says, okay, Uncle, I'm going to do this, he shows up and no, everyone was like, was this the old Santa Claus giving the new Santa Claus this stuff? Which is weird because they, they say to Santa Claus, you are going to live forever, which at that point I'm like, I'm in, I'm in. Yeah. If the old Santa Claus could also live forever because he's Santa Claus, why would he hand over the reins? Yeah. Does he die? The ancient elf? How did he become ancient? Did he get immortality when he was old or did he just slowly he got age? There late to the, he yeah, got he got there. late to the party. Yeah, yeah. When do you get to be immortal? When you're 16? That'd be kind of cool. Yeah, that's a good time. Yeah. Luckily for Twilight, those guys. Although it would be really creepy. It's <laughs> like a 42-year-old man. <laughs> in high school. Yeah. I live forever. I'm timeless. Well, you know, those 42-year-old vampires, they just get jobs and hang out. They don't have school. So his beard is so long that he leaves. He's actually going to Williamsburg to serve coffee. That's how long that, that beard is. Long is. Beard. Yeah. That is a long beard. So um, you can hear my chair creaking. <laughs> in my daughter's room. This is very creepy. Is this where you thought you'd end up? So, yes. yes. <laughs> hey, you want a treadmill right now? Mike has a great uh, joke book out with a lot of funny, weird jokes. It's really funny, and uh, he's selling. He's been selling it for a while, and for us, he's selling it for two dollars. Actually, one ninety nine, less than two dollars. You can find that at our website, proudlyresents.com slash Mike. Proudlyresents.com slash Mike. <laughs> Santa Claus becomes Santa Claus officially. They don't change his name. They're all making these toys in this big factory, and they make an outfit for him out of green. Oh, my God, yes. Mrs. Claus is like, absolutely not. Now, there's one kind of alpha elf who's read Who Moved My Cheese, who's read all the books, and he is proactive, and his name is Patch, played by Dudley Moore. And Pat says, I think red would be a better color. And Mrs. Claus says, yeah. And then Patch is very happy because he's part, you know, he got in. Is an ass kisser. And then he, he creates an assembly line and proves that assembly line works better than the other. This is all during the movie. This is. Yeah, and this what, is still. I don't know what time of this, like what year this is supposed to be. There's montages too going on. There's several montages. Some just happen within the same time, like right. real time montages, and some show hundreds of years. Well, I want to mention that this is definitely an 80s movie. I will talk about the product placement in this movie. But another factor that you see in a lot of 80s movies, besides the no smoking riff, is the soundtrack is crucial. The soundtrack is crucial. This this soundtrack has a lot of pop songs, like Sheena Easton pops up, except during the montages. They played this terrible, like, 
instrumental music. Public access. Yeah. Library music. Library music. And holiday library music at that, I guess. And it's just, it's offensive. It's not offensive, but it's, it's, I don't know. It, it does not make a good montage. It doesn't build anything. It's no survivors. No yeah. eye of the tiger. No one's running. And it, it matches the montage because nothing happens in them. It's real time, basically. I wouldn't even <laughs> say it a montage. It's just them working on something and then they hand it to someone and that guy hands it to someone else. And that's, that's the whole montage. scene. That's not yeah. a montage. That's just... Uh, when they go through the hundreds of years, right? Yeah. First of all, everybody is white. And then when they go through hundreds of years, as they get closer to the present, they start showing black people. One black kid in the one. montage. Yeah, well, that's a lot for the Well, film. the way they denote time during the montage is they have, like, as the world churn-esque uh, Days of Our Lives hourglass that floats in space or something. And instead of sand, it's glitter. There's a lot of glitter in this movie. It's pre-CGI glitter. When the reindeer fly off in the air, there's hundreds of like added glitter. When Santa Claus moves around with special stuff. So glitter is in the, the hourglass marking the time. And it's marked by Roman numerals etched in there. So we know it is the 18th century because there's a bunch of Roman numerals and then the word century following it. You know, originally, and this is something else I read, that they had sand in the hourglass, mm -hmm. regular sand, and they didn't, they just had the um, the reindeer flying without any glitter. But one of the producers went to a strip club and came home with glitter on his face. And his wife was like, what's going on? This is a real story? This is a real story. You're and he me. said, the glitter is not from the strip club, it's from the movie. And she said, what are you using it for? It was like, for the hourglass, man. That is probably from the making of documentary. <laughs> the one hour. There is one, actually. Hosted by Santa Claus. What a sellout. <laughs> so really, are you telling me you went to a strip club and that's the reason why no, this I mean, family movie has glitter? Yes. Yeah, I mean, it might as well. I mean, it seemed like some girl named Chantel just kind of provided some extra glitter for them. They actually had her on set and she would just shake her arm. <laughs> <laughs> She's been gyrating. Chantel, left arm. <laughs> Thank you, Chantel. You're wrapped. Chantel's wrapped everybody. All right, Chantel's left the building. <laughs> Well, the product placement comes in when we, we go into um, the world, the yes. globe, and we see real time, a kid, and we know that he's a vagabond. He's a, well, this is the 80s where homeless became a real issue, and so this kid, it kind of borders the line between bums and, because there's bums in this movie, and by bums, I mean guys holding bottles with uh, paper bags, drinking. You know, they're not, they don't have a home, they're just bums. Uh, but this boy is definitely homeless. He... Uh, he looks like a girl. <laughs> I thought I thought this no, guy was a girl. girl. Uh, he's he's wrapped half to toe in this weird kind of ragabond costume, but he's homeless. I, mean, I don't know if they had it, but it looked like almost he had the the fingerless gloves. You know, he would have at that point. Yeah, he and had the top hat, beat up top hat. And yeah, the Mounties wear, and then he has this leather jacket. <laughs> like, he does have yeah. like a leather jacket. Yeah. His face is all dirt. Now he hangs out in the part of town which a rich girl has an entire city block of house. And every time he stands in, the, and which is right across the street from the alleyway. And so, yes, before that, where is he? Product placement. Oh right, he is walking around the street hungry, and where he goes to McDonald's. You know, there's gonna be product placement in this movie. And I remember when this film came out. But you're like, how do you fit it in? Because right up to now, it's just been Santa Claus and the timeless creepy kids. Story. Timeless story. Timeless um, story. All these elves in a real nondescript place making yeah. shitty wooden toys. How are we gonna get the products in? As soon as we go to the United States. There we go. He goes right to McDonald's. He stares right at the windows. You, you actually, before he goes to the window, you see the window itself with the McDonald's logo on it. And I, then he's looking in the window and they have close up of people eating the food. And this is why I recommend this movie because if you want to know what your Gen X father looked like when he ate, uh, you know, what his dad looked like when he ate chicken tenders, 
Chicken Nuggets probably came out in what, 83? Change, change my life. Change your life, right? But here you get to see someone eat, like actually put the chicken nugget in his mouth and bite and chew it. I mean, this must, uh, I don't know if they make movies and they're aware that they don't have to eat this stuff. They're physically eating McDonald's for like 30 seconds. Well, the gag is that the kid has no food and everybody's eating, yeah. but it looks so much like an ad for McDonald's. One, someone's lovingly enjoying a nugget, the other one's lovingly enjoying a burger. Yeah, yeah. and then sipping Cokes. And uh, it's actually interesting to watch because you look at the container of the soda and for 85, they're smaller than they are now in the 21st century. You uh-huh. know, that's probably a large that they had. It was a 12-ounce cup. <laughs> yeah, so he's completely in love with it. So the girl gives the girl. No, so you skip. Yeah, yes. So right across the street, there's a huge mansion with this rich girl who lives almost like by herself. And he has a crush on her. And he looks at her in the window, right? And she makes him a meal. Which looks great. It's like Beef Wellington or some shit like it's that. It's a whole big thing. Yeah, yeah it's a big it's thing. A catered and a roll. It's Mitt Romney's McDonald's is what, <laughs> it, what, what I got in. You got that in? Yeah. I thought I said that. The 1%. Maybe I followed up. You followed up the one. Yeah. The 1%'s one, 1% McDonald's. And uh, I'm taking credit for it. <laughs> so she puts food outside for him, and next to the plate of food, there's a... Old school can of Coke. Yeah, like blatantly. And you see the word Coke, like, perfectly. And those are the can. Like, if you see the movie To Live and Die in L.A., you'll see that kind of can. Around that time, new Coke was introduced, and they changed the design, and they changed, obviously, the formula. And there was such a backlash, they redesigned, they brought back classic Coke. And change the design. So the can you see in Santa Claus the movie is before New Coke. Right. So yeah. it's old school. It's, it's old school. And sugar instead of corn, corn syrup. syrup. So he eats all that stuff. And then we cut back to Santa. <laughs> right? And then Santa comes to the States. No, no. You know what? I think there's a little office politicking. Even though the elves gave Santa the job and they're the one who provide the factory, then they have to kind of see who will become Santa's assistant. And from the work that the assembly line that Patch did, he made Patch, gave him an assistant. He right? created like Henry Ford an assembly line, and it beat Man vs. Machine, the <laughs> other elf who was just doing handmade. Yes. And everyone's cheering for Patch. Yay, we're all out of a job, basically. <laughs> <laughs> Automation, yay. yay. Uh, so he becomes assistant, so he has to prove himself to Santa Claus. And uh, it's interesting because Santa Claus... He's all about Christmas, and we get to see him every year go around Christmas Eve giving out toys. And he doesn't go down chimneys. He just disappears in a poof of glitter and then reappears right there to eat in the... Right Chantel! Peace. <laughs> Very expensive glitter. Do you have any more glitter? No, let me check my car. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, the movie cost... It was one of the most expensive movies of the time. It cost $50 million. In 85. So that's a shitload of money, and they must have, like, said... All right, man, we're going to sell this around the world. This is going to be a classic every year. we got right. Dudley Moore. Right. We're trying to get Johnny Carson. That's so weird to pitch that to him. Well, I looked at IMDb. Whoever played the Santa Claus got top billing around the world. So whoever he was, he was the star. He looked like Grizzly Adams. He was terrible. He it was, was terrible. Kid. It was, like, honestly, like, we're talking about the first hour of this movie. And there's another star in this film, and he's not even in it yet. And, God, what a difference that is. But I'm, I'm joking. Oh, John Lithgow? Yeah. Yeah, he's jumping. He's all over the place. Well, we were joking because um, they look like they walked out of another movie. John Lithgow looked like he walked out of Buckaroo Banzai, shot a scene, and came back. Well, here's some dialogue. Santa Claus meets the orphan named Joe because it's an American name. <laughs> and Johnny was taken, I guess. Joe says, hey, beat it, man. Find your own doorway. Don't crowd me. Holy shit. Yeah. Santa says, what are you doing here? Joe, 
I'm pitching a no hitter for the Yankees. What does <laughs> what's it look like? He's an eight year old kid. He's from New York City though. Yeah, he's from the streets. Santa. But it's Christmas Eve. Don't you know what that means? Joe, eight year old New Yorker. Yeah, it means you're out of a job till next year. You and the rest of the winos. Go. Yeah, right, the winos. This is like, you know, the transition from everyone on the street are winos to, oh, there's a real homeless problem. Santa. Santa. Don't you know who I am? Yeah, sure. You're a nut. (laughs) I'm Santa Claus. It's like watching the movie again. Right. And I'm the tooth fairy. Oh! (laughs) He does say that. He does. Well, I guess we'll... And then Santa says, which is creepy, well, I guess we'll do it my way. (laughs) Like, zip. Oh, yeah, and then he, he uh, snaps his fingers, and they pixie dust out of there, and they appear. <laughs> I'm coming. They're on a roof, and and then they go to somebody's house, and they're like, this kid is casing the joint. He goes, oh, my God, there's four walls and a bed? I've never <laughs> seen this before. And, they, yeah, and it's these houses are ugly. Mm, how the, dare you? Well, it's supposed to be set up for Christmas. They all have fireplaces. They all have uh, cookies on uh, top of the fireplace and they're all crammed with random crap oh my god we forgot Santa eats so many cookies he gets fat even though he's fat the yeah. so he goes on a diet and he tries different diets like they're filling up time they're just killing time during May yeah so he eats like carrots and stuff like that during that's, that. In the, that's a plot point so here's the thing I was thinking about when you see the orphan I don't remember the movie Barton Fink in the movie Barton Fink Barton Fink's got to write a script and they're like it's easy just do a wrestling movie and either have a dame he meets a dame or an orphan it's orphan or a dame, and he has like written on cards and he can't figure out orphan or dame, orphan or dame. So this movie, they went orphan. They went orphan. There is a dame, but it's for the orphan. That is really creepy. There's yeah. a love. The love story is between two like six we year old. We didn't mention the closet sex scene when they finally get to the cabin. They're in behind closed doors, and you hear them groaning and stuff like that. I think he's trying to put on clothes, but you know. that's. I think that's the gag. Yeah, but it's, again, it's a kids movie. It's a creepy gag. So Santa Claus goes around the world. It's 20th century. He, out of all the people in the world, he meets this white boy in America who's homeless, and suddenly he's kind of affected by that. Something happens with Patch, right? Well, the assembly line breaks down. Yes. And he doesn't get the bailout from the government, and this right. is what happens. He gets... He, in real life, he would have got a bailout and a bonus. No, I would say let North Pole go bankrupt. <laughs> See, that's what you, but yeah. the good bankrupt, not the bad bankrupt. No, you're twisting my words now. I never said Detroit go bankrupt. <laughs> Like Hostess, he he would have, all the elves would have got fired and Santa would have got a bonus. So, <laughs> anyway, but in this case, because it's a fantasy, Patch gets banished, he's fired, he's thrown out. Is he really thrown out? It's hard to, I don't even remember. But at one point, Mrs. Claus says to Santa, how can an elf live in real life? And it's like, oh yeah, you dick. Well, it's <laughs> funny too, because this is like 48 minutes into the movie, you go, yeah, there's a much better movie with this premise, it's called Elf, and it has... Will Farrell in it, and it's funny. <laughs> well, Will Farrell and Dudley Moore are—you got to say—they're comparable, right? Well, I don't know who Dudley Moore is. I was born two years ago. Oh, I'm sorry, you're yeah. very young. Yes, I'm a, a millennial. But you know, you figure Dudley Moore for anyone—he he was he passed the away in O2. right? But he was the Will Farrell of the. 70s I agree. And 80s. I absolutely agree. Yeah. So it's weird that Will Farrell started his career, but if he'd ended his career in a Christmas movie. Or well, less. this was definitely a career killer. This was definitely like a misstep. It was a money grab. Yeah, well, it was a misstep. I think he was just done. Like, he needed to pay all these houses, and they probably gave him like a million or yeah, $2 million. Yeah, let's talk about Dudley Moore. What exactly was he supposed to be? Like, he's not a conscious of Santa Claus. He's not a conflict of Santa Claus. He's always kind of... Could have been, but they, didn't, they never wanted to go that far to he have real said, conflict. I wish I can be head toy master. He never said, I wish I was Santa Claus, and I'm going to go out on my own. He doesn't even get delusion. Nothing really... They never go that far because even when he meets the evil 
John Lithgow. Which Lithgow great. isn't what he wants. Isn't that evil? No, he just wants to make toys, but you know he can't do it on the North Pole. So he meets another toy maker, and he says, "Well, we'll give it away for free." And well, anyway, right? no, but does he give away the toys for free? I don't get it. I don't understand. Because this is where the actual conflict comes in. Now, meanwhile, Santa Claus is misses Patch. And the way he misses Patch, Miss Patch, is uh, he builds a wooden statue of Patch. And Santa Miss Claus says, that boy looks like Patch that you made out of wood. Which is ridiculous because all the elves look the same. I'm sorry to sound racist. All the elves <laughs> look the same. Except Delimore does not have crazy facial hair. Can I ask a big question about the North Pole? Go ahead. Where the fuck do they get all that wood? There's a lot of wood. There's a lot of wood. There's not that many trees in the North Pole. It's the North Pole. Where the fuck Chantel? are they going? <laughs> There's a lot of wood in the North Pole. I never really thought about it until I watched that movie. <laughs> you, get, you think a lot of that movie. Yeah, because you got a lot of time. You, have a lot of, you could watch another movie while watching that movie. I was. <laughs> Thank <laughs> you, Netflix. Like yeah. Uh, so, yeah, so um, the conflict is a patch steps out in the world. And this is where the elf movie kicks in. And the first person he meets an hour into this film is the delightful scene chewing John Lithgow, and suddenly the movie gets like a, a coax bump shot of energy. You know, it's suddenly like the movie becomes alive for a couple of minutes, and he just chews up the scenery. Uh, he has an accountant, I was just saying, this guy named Jeffrey Kramer, who was in Jaws 2, but typical, like, you know, the glasses and the crazy Rick Overton 80s hair, you know. Uh, a little anti-Semitic, maybe. Or am I reading too much into it? There's always that character. Yeah, he's a Jewish guy. Obviously, he's a Jewish guy. <laughs> he's the one Jewish guy. He's, he's the accountant. He's the warrior. And the, and the and his mother's attacked by Cossacks, which I thought was really insulting. Yeah, I found that kind of offensive. He had numbers on his arm. I just thought it was <laughs> that too was much. <laughs> that was a little too much. We're now serving 814. Uh, oh, that's me. That's, that's me, yeah. So, yeah, I don't know how Patch meets. He just shows up. He shows up. So, John Lithgow has this great... 80s office and if you've seen one of the movies that Dudley Moore did the year before it's called Mickey and Maud this Blake Edwards movie and if you ever watch it it's this amazing office that has an elevated track that circles his desk so when him and Richard Mulligan talk tiny Dudley Moore can walk on this elevated circle and be actually in this level with Mulligan and I think that's why they built the set so I was reminded of that because this office is beautiful where the desk is is elevated yeah it's uh, like on a stage yeah it's definitely a weird 80s power thing. So Lithgow comes in, and who's sitting on his chair but Patch, who says, I can make you toys. Oh, yeah, he spins around, and there's an elf in his chair. And yeah. He's like, what the hell, get out. And then he's like, wait a second, I can make a million toys and then give them away? Sure. And that was weird. And he turned out to be the uncle of the little girl. Oh, that, the little girl, right. So they're all related. There's no, 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 no. She's the step-uncle. Because they needed to be, she says, my step-uncle. So they need to step uncle? Be, it's the way to keep him related, but that she's nothing like him. So when he, he doesn't die, but when he floats away at the end, she won't be too upset because he's just a step-uncle. She's now totally orphaned like this kid. Yeah. Whatever happens to him at the end? I don't know. I don't know. Oh, can I just say what happens yes. during the movie, though? Yes, please. She becomes a nag. She's like, oh, you're sick. You can't go out. Why are you going out with the guys? Who's oh, I thought tell? that was so right. You know, the little boy has a real cold, so she puts him in the basement of this mansion, tries to nurse him to health, and that's when they overhear this nefarious plan. And I think the actual tension is because they're giving away the toys for free, it does cut into Santa Claus's business. It's like the startups. You know, you're offering <laughs> your services for free. So with an American toy company giving toys for free on Christmas Eve, who needs Santa? Is that the conflict? I, I, I don't know. I watched the movie. You've seen it twice. We both don't know, yeah, know what it's about. Yeah, I know what it's about. So we don't know what but the evil thing is. Luther. 
This is where the Star Wars, the Superman analogy comes. He's Lex Luthor, and he's yeah. scheming a plan to destroy Superman. Yeah. Yeah. At least Lex Luthor had that hot woman next to him and a bald head. And Ned Beatty. And, uh, yeah. Yeah. That was the woman. Oh, that was Ned Beatty? <laughs> that was that woman. That was Ned Beatty. <laughs> I don't know. Santa real... Let's just get through this movie and talk about all this stuff, because he, he, he discovers <laughs> that Dudley Moore is, is gone... And well, the, he also Dudley Moore brought glitter with him. Him and Chantel went over to this to BZ Toys, and he keeps it in a paint jar and a file cabinet. Yeah, but that doesn't nothing happens with it. The and bad guy doesn't steal it. No, he doesn't steal it. The accountant notices something, so he makes candy canes. That's the toys they give out, and they're magic candy canes. And the well, magic is corroding. It makes people float or something. No, it explodes, and that's what the the Jewish accountant went to talk to John Lithgow about was that candy canes are explode, but we want to sell them anyway. And then the kids hear that plot. We're figuring out the movie. <laughs> Dudley Moore, John Lithgow kidnaps the orphan boy, ties him, ties a kid to a pipe in a basement. This is a kid's movie bound and gags him. Yeah. And then later on, Dudley Moore finds him. He yells at him, the kid yells at him. They take, and then he goes, the worst part, it was the kink.com armory. <laughs> So he goes, let's get the hell out of here. And Dudley Moore made a magic car out of wood. Of course, what else would what he What else does he use? So it flies out, but it's got all the candy canes back. And Santa and the girl are flying to try to stop them. Right. Because because the candy canes are exploding. They know that. Yeah, so this is like, now we're getting back to Pia's adorable Santa Claus versus Conquers the Martians kind of silliness. It's suddenly chitty bang bang. No, now it gets very, <laughs> now it's unbelievable. It doesn't make any sense. Uh, it's a wooden car with these powered by these candy canes that are going to explode anyway. And they're flying in the air like it's... There's a lot of aerial shots in this movie. I mean... Well, I guess they got them for free from Superman, so why not use them? So, Santa, so yeah, so the girl in Santa Claus is trying to save the boy and Dudley who are going back to the North Pole. And they're leaving the North Pole, and they're going to meet in between. And the... the Santa says to the, the, the reindeer, listen, we got to go and save our friends. And two of the reindeer are, are sick, so they can't come. So he's like, you've got to buck up. you got to go out there and kick some ass. We're, we're short too. Yeah, it's just Santa and no toys. Do you think it was pilot season and Jim Henson was going to make a TV show and those guys said, you know, screw the movie. I got to go. I got to go where the work's at. Nah, we don't need you. <laughs> I worked on a show and we're like, we don't need puppeteers. Well, let's just get regular actors. I mean, it was it didn't work at all. But one actor came in who we knew and he's like, uh, well, yes. Well, I was like, what are you doing? Oh, well, I was just um, uh, Edinburgh Fringe Festival and my daughter was just. Uh, doing some commercials and I'm teaching classes at the HB studio and he's talking we're talking uh, technique you yeah. know uh, the type of technique he's teaching well very good uh, John uh, let's start <laughs> this very astute actor now picks up a puppet <laughs> puts it on his hand and goes hey buongiorno alright next professional he's professional <laughs> yeah <laughs> I really want to stop and go do you know what just happened here so let's wrap it up. Okay. This film, they uh, they stop it in time. They save the car. They, the car explodes. They land on Santa's lap. Yes. He, Santa saves not Christmas, but just two, an elephant and an orphan. The orphan and the girl are about to get married. Yes. I, I don't know what happens. Yeah, they so. just, they, the, everything resolves. They go back to the caretaker in her house. John Lithgow floats away for well, some Well, John reason. Lithgow, when he finds out these candy canes have powers, he eats one. Is that what it was? 
Well, somehow he uses it to elevate, but he keeps elevating to the point where the last shot of this movie, it's like General Zod. Someone mentioned it, Super, Superman 2, when they fly off into space. Yeah. He's in space. His eyeballs aren't bulging out. His veins aren't popping. You know, is he's going, wah, in outer space, yeah, holding a candy cane. Lithgow pitches to the elf, we should have Santa, we should have Christmas 2, uh, TWO. Yeah. So um, he pitches a sequel to it. Which it was like Dudley Moore looks at the cameras a little presumptuous. <laughs> no, so there, there's got to be a sequel. Like in the beginning of Santa Claus Part Two, you see like General Zod, the uh, oh right, yeah, meanwhile the guy was floating in space. It reminds me of the old uh, Simpsons episode with Troy McClure. Phil Hartman says he was uh, he was doing a uh, cartoon tryout. And he says, I'm the voice of Christmas Ape, and Christmas Ape goes to summer camp. <laughs> Which is the classic thing. Ernest goes Ernest saves Christmas, Ernest goes to summer camp. You spend six months later and find a holiday there. What about uh, Larry the Cable Guy? Oh, health inspector. So his, it's Larry the Cable Guy, right. health inspector. Right. The guy is named Larry the Cable Guy. And what he's a health inspector. <laughs> <laughs> Excuse me for not realizing you're a health inspector. Your name is Cable Guy. You, you ever see that movie? I've seen it. What? <laughs> Larry the Cable Guy Health Inspector I've seen it really yeah anything happen it happens yeah. <laughs> it happens it's uh yeah. which is a more of a Christmas feel that or Santa Claus the movie oh I would say Larry the Cable Guy Health Inspector <laughs> is more of a family movie Santa Claus Health Inspector let me mention one Cable thing um, no. alright well it's just so we're done with no. this movie that's what the movie is and if yeah. you just Not said I listened to this podcast talking. and I don't understand mm-hmm. Welcome to this movie. I mean, there's just really no story or conflict or anything. It just kind of happens. But this movie's so bad. Like, you're going to spend this month of December listening to Christmas song after Christmas song, and you everyone knows every Christmas song. So how bad must a movie be where none of the Christmas songs, and we're always looking for fresh songs, are ever replayed? That's true. They always want something new. Even Grandma Gets Run Over by a Reindeer. Yeah. That, that becomes a classic. Yeah. Uh, Every kind of yeah, Bruce the waitresses Christmas rapping that wasn't a good song to begin with. Uh, car- the that Wham song about Christmas really got Christmas good. rap. Remember the, that uh, Hollis Queens Christmas and Hollis. Oh yeah, they, well that's a classic. That was in Die Hard one. Oh, that's okay. Yeah, better better Christmas film Die Hard one. Yeah, yeah, I say see that. So uh, what is the moral to this movie? There's going to be a lot of crappy Christmas movies, and they don't really care rhyme or reason. They just want to hit a sequel goal. You know, they want to crank out stuff, and this one was a huge miss. And on the website, Mike's going to write up top five worst Christmas films. I have them on the list here. I won't tell you what it is. No. I'll put it on the website. So it would be proudlyresents.com slash Mike. Yes, and this is the worst movies. I'm not talking about Santa Claus Conquered the Martians. I'm talking about the last 15 years. And there's one movie in particular starring Tim Allen and, and uh, Jamie Lee Curtis that is probably the worst movie I've ever seen. Definitely the worst Christmas movie. But I will not tell you it's Christmas with the Cranks. You're going to have to go to Adam's website. Michael, I appreciate you not saying a lot of things you yeah, I yeah. have to say. And uh, we can find you at uh, LuggageTuesdays.com. But yes. your book, you have a very funny joke book. It's only $2.00. It's you more, but because you're my brother, you're giving everyone a deal. Yes. So it's one ninety nine. It's yeah. usually a lot more money, and you can find that on our website, prowlersense.com/book. You can get it. It's really good. Why is it slash Mike? I put it all in there. It's all under slash Mike M I K E. Right. Normal spelling. Great. That's where you can buy the book. I'll even put a link on the website anyway. Thanks. But it's a very funny book. Um, can you tell the mushroom joke? 
with the AA. A mushroom walks into a bar, a nearly deserted bar. The only two people there are the bartender and his NA sponsor. And the bartender says, we don't serve mushrooms here. And the mushroom goes, but I'm a fun guy. Bartender puts his hand to his face. He says, we don't serve mushrooms here. We don't serve mushrooms here. We don't serve mushrooms here. And then the bartender, he goes underneath the bar and he grabs a Louisville slugger and he starts spinning on his head and he's screaming, we don't serve mushrooms here. Mushroom goes, okay, geez. And he walks out. The NA sponsor turns to the bartender and he says, don't you think you overreacted? And the bartender goes, you know I freak out on mushrooms. Prodlerzents, prodlerzents.com. Can you I tell you one? It's a mathematical bar joke. This is also there. Number 43 walks into a bar and he says, hey, bartender, give me a, make me a double. And the bartender says, that's it, you're 86. <laughs> I was originally very upset with you for keep going when you really had a good ending and you had to push it, but I'm glad you pushed it. It was very fun. And now we're going to go and continue our war on Christmas. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Happy Hanukkah, guys. Yeah. Thanks. Bye. Thanks, Adam. Adam, we're, we're out of time for this interview. Just about it. Another triple-scale narration session is in the can. But just before that tone arm has its inevitable rendezvous with the label, I'd like to show you that I'm a little more than just another announcer. Listen to this. James Cagney. You Dirty Rat. Marlon Brando. Stella Stella. Bert Lancaster. Yes, I'm the Birdman. Who do you think you are? And finally, the late Ed Sullivan. Right here on our stage, 400 Polish dentists. Hey, thank you. See you soon, huh?